Hello and welcome to the 31st episode of the Dominionated Podcast 20 or 20. I am your host, Mackenzie Cameron. What have you been listening to? Anything good? My listening habits during the pandemic have been like strangely insular, you know, without able to really listen to music with friends, talk about it in the same way we used to, no shows, no bars, make new music feel like weirdly like a solitary experience. Last year I did a pretty good hip-hop crash course, uh, which I found extremely rewarding, and this year I am diving into jazz, which has also so far proved to be very rewarding, and I feel really fortunate that in the midst of this dive, the Dominionated contributor, Adam Innes, shout out to Adam, reviewed a new EP by Toronto-based trumpeter, Mac Rogers. That EP, titled Where Stems Meet Noise, is a really beautiful combination of jazz styles, free, hard bop, spiritual, all flavored with an almost modern indie rock sensibility. It is sick. Anyways, I was lucky enough to connect with Mac earlier this week to talk about the EP and his approach to community-based music making. So, coming up, I am going to talk to Mac Rogers, but first, here is a taste of Where Stems Meet Noise. This is a track called Struck. meeting of the max on 20 or 20 today mac rogers thanks for being on the show thank you for having me nice to meet you finally it's nice it's nice to meet you too are you a are you a mckenzie are you a malcolm are you a what are you i am a mckenzie just like you oh my oh my goodness yes okay yeah and and how did you become mac were you always mac yeah i think i was just lazy as a kid and didn't want to spell the whole name (laughs) like yeah, I don't know where it's it long. came from exactly, um, but I think people just called me that. It was easier. Now, was I don't know about you, but I didn't like Mackenzie growing up. I was like kind of shy about it, and Mac felt simpler and cooler to me. Also, it was like a pretty popular girl name, and for some reason at the time that bothered me. But <laughs> yeah, I think I think for I think for me too, it was like to it was like to avoid being called Kenzie. Yeah, which I feel like is the is like is how. Like the girls in my what, you know, elementary school would have shortened Mackenzie too. Mm-hmm. Anyways, set me apart, set me apart, and now, <laughs> um, now nobody can with a mask on and everything. Like no one can tell if you're saying Matt or Max or Mac or, you know, when you go to Starbucks or something, they're like, "What's your name?" You're just like Matt. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, this is not interesting at all to anyone <laughs> not named Mac. Um, 
for anyone who is listening to the show and uh, and has never listened to the show before, how this works is I have about 20 questions to ask Mac. Uh, we're going to try and answer them all in about 20 minutes, whichever one kind of comes first. That'll sound good to you, Mac? Absolutely. Okay, cool. I'm going to start my timer. Right. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna buck tradition here, and I'm, I'm going to say off the top that I feel like I heard your EP uh, kind of at the perfect time, because I just turned 30, <laughs> and I am now going through my obligatory, like, jazz journey. Um, <laughs> but you must have been, to, to be as proficient as you are... Uh, in the medium, you must have been into jazz at a younger age. And I'm kind of curious how that happened. Yeah, I'm going to eat up my whole 20 minutes with this. But like, it, I, I, was <laughs> okay. a I was a little later to it too, but probably around approaching, I guess, 10 years of getting into it. Like, um, I played trumpet all through high school. My grandfather was played trumpet and he gave me one and that was something that I really bonded with. Um, but when I got to university, I was super scared about, I never really practiced. I played more in like bands and wrote music with them. And, and I actually played drums a lot. Um, mm -hmm. But I was in every band program I could be in. And uh, when I got to university, I stopped playing trumpet and I stopped playing music really in general. I went to business school and I really, really hated that. And uh <laughs> My grandfather actually died in my first year at business school, and I think it was like a year later, I kind of picked up that same trumpet again, and then a year after that, I joined like a, a, a concert band at McMaster, and they needed a trumpet player in a jazz band led by Mike Malone, who's a really fantastic Canadian trumpet player composer, um, and then it just kind of snowballed from there. I just kind of started diving into the music and I, I found something super liberating about it. Um, yeah, just everything. And it, it just kept rolling and it, it kind of blossomed into this thing where I was like, oh, I'm going to actually, I had always wanted to study music and I hadn't taken that time. And so, you know, I did actually an undergrad in economics and a master's, but I still couldn't stop that that itch or uh, that voice inside, that kind of what if. And so, yeah, I, uh, I kept working at it. Uh, and I, uh, I went and studied at Humber College. And then, so that was this last four years. So like really intensely, it's been these last four years, um, but it's been a slow kind of building and like being drawn towards this music and uh, everything about it. Yeah. That's so fast. So, I mean, you know, Jazz is much different than business school <laughs> uh, on like so many different levels. Yes. Um, when was it kind of like a scary leap for you to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go to Humber and really invest myself into this. Like, are you from Toronto? Uh, no, I was, I was born here, but my parents moved to Newmarket just North of here. Oh, okay. But okay. I've always been around here. Yeah. But, and so was it like a weird thing for like the people around you who had kind of seen you go to business school and do all these things that are like a totally separate path to then be like, yo, I'm guys, I'm going to do jazz. Or is it kind of because of that connection with your grandfather and all that stuff? It's not like so strange. It's not like that strange of a choice. I think to the people that knew me, like I brushed over it a bit, but growing up in high school, that was my identity, like making music. And that's how I found who I was. That's how I found friends. I was pretty shy and still kind of am but like you know connecting through music was the way I did it and so I think for the people who knew me my parents I'm very lucky are extremely supportive and it I don't think I had to convince them but I think I had to like 
I think they saw how I was really miserable, like doing what I was doing. And when I would talk about music, it would kind of, I'd light up in a different way. And so the people that knew me were really supportive and for some reason, yeah, allowed me to believe in myself, even though it was kind of crazy because, you know, I had picked up the trumpet again, really from scratch, like two years before going to Humber. Wow. (laughs) It was, uh. I, there wasn't a lot on paper that would be like this is gonna work out you know right. <laughs> but except right. the just the raw just like I would talk about it all the time and I was just kind of obsessed so uh, Humber you know I know you recorded where stems meet noise at Humber mm-hmm. was it with all is it is like is the band that you recorded that with all Humber people basically yeah um everyone I pretty much met at Humber well actually and then a few I met actually in Hamilton when I was at Big Master through a band mm-hmm. called uh, Greywater, which I started like playing in back in the day. So they went to Mohawk College. So Devin, who I started uh, Sibling Human Buddy Pal with, and Jonathan Maelstrom, who's in like Basement Revolver, and um, another sax player who plays on the album, Michael Morabito. So I met those guys then, but yeah, the rest was Humber Connections. So I've had I've had um, Rachel Bobbitt on this show before. Um, yes. And I also I also produced a, a CVC interview with Sam from Pleasurecraft. Oh, amazing! Um, who is also a Humber person, Humber trumpet, I believe. Player. There you go. Um, but neither of them uh, make do jazz per se. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious if you considered like you know when you decided like I'm going to start throwing myself into like a creative practice where I'm writing original music, whatever that is. Was there ever like a possibility that it wasn't going to be jazz because i'm kind of fascinated by the people who go to humber for jazz and then are like oh i'm actually gonna do this talking heads kind of thing that that sam does or yeah or like the singer songwriter thing that rachel does um yeah i think i would love to like my roots like i said my roots aren't in jazz and i think um jazz was very much where was at at the time and I think by the nature of playing trumpet it's like I think I felt a easier way expressing that voice with that instrument through that and yeah like I said it was it was what brought me to Humber that music it was kind of my way in was like being a jazz trumpet player and then get getting into this world and meeting all these crazy people who just did all kinds of uh, amazing things so um sorry I'm rambling on that one but it's okay but you don't feel limited to jazz, right? Like you feel like you can do jazz and if you needed to kind of like adapt to a more, I don't know, indie rock kind of thing, like you could easily kind of switch yeah. gears to that. I think that's where I'd honestly love to go. I think um, in some ways I feel the jazz part of it is a bit, I don't want to say limiting, but I think for nothing else then I think people sometimes exclude themselves from being able to listen to it like they're like oh that's not for me I don't know jazz or I don't study it or I don't listen to it I don't know who to listen to I don't know how to listen to it and I think either one way or another I'd love to break that down whether it means having less explicit jazz elements in it I don't think that's what I want to take out because I love that but I'd love to find a way to make people not feel that way (laughs) Um, well I was I was kind of gonna say like part of my my immersion in jazz right now is like it does kind of feel like jazz is back in the conversation a little bit just like on a on like in the grander sense like you know it's blending with more modern sounds and genres like when i was young 
like the closest thing to new jazz I would have heard was probably Nora Jones or something like that. Like that was kind of it. But, you know, Flying Lotus, Kendrick, Earl, Thundercat, like all that I feel like has kind of elevated the genre back into kind of the popular imagination or like the musical conversation. And like I'm obsessed with all the international anthem stuff that's happening right now, which feels like it's original, new. Mm -hmm. It's jazz, right? Like did that reemergence factor into your into your kind of choice to or inspire you to a want to kind of break down those boundaries and and combine it with other genres but also just to like pursue it in general Hmm. um i think it i don't know how it's influenced me but it it continues to inspire me like i don't know a chicken and egg kind of thing but like i i see it breaking out of i think it's for a while it got a little institutionalized and I think I see like a lot of people in, in all the examples you referenced, breaking that down, kind of bringing it to the people and also bringing people to it. Um, like I've worked at the Rex for the last four or five years and that has been an amazing education on seeing all these different shades of like jazz artists um, and seeing the different audiences they bring, the different ways they actually reach out to the audiences versus some that are much more insular and so trying to find my own voice within that and my own way to kind of yeah take that and and take it out of yeah just make it a little more expansive I don't know Um, yeah I feel like we exist in like a cool time for music in that sense where it's like where I think more more before like we were probably in high school and stuff like that the genre was, was it was like you know you were into hip-hop or you're into jazz or you're into rock where now it's kind of like everybody's into everything so it does kind of i feel like the listening habits of the moment lend itself lends themselves to the blurring of those lines and like experimenting and trying different things yeah um you mentioned earlier uh sibling human buddy pal can you explain what that is and like and what your intent behind it is yeah i mean it's still i guess explaining itself to me and but um we're we're letting it unfold as it goes but um simply put it was kind of a vehicle first and foremost for devin savis and i to release the things that we did do at humper so he has uh, i guess it's a collective project at this point but uh he released his amazing ep to be true under the alias eulogy eulogy and I had my record too, and, and they're pretty much the same band. Um, it's all pretty much the same cast, and then different guests and features and a few substitutions. But And it's also in the same kind of spirit. Like, both of them were very healing records, kind of transformative things of, like, processing for both of us grief and loss and kind of that own, our own transformation through and around those things. Um, and I think we were both kind of stalling on putting that out there because probably because it felt vulnerable and it felt I don't think either of us had ever released anything under our own like this is my music this is my thing we both played in bands and stuff so I think forming sibling human buddy pal was a way to be like here's a platform where we can do this together and the idea is that from there we can encourage others that we see to do the same Um, so right now we're calling it an imprint or a collective and kind of seeing where it goes. We've already released something else um, 
by Ray Gowdy, amazing guitarist, uh, plays in the band Burrs. Shout out to them. But um, yeah, it's it's just kind of unfolding from there. I think if I could distill it, it's like we call it like a home for creations of an unbridled cathartic nature. And I think <laughs> that's the best you can put it at, the, at this point. It's a home. It's a community. Uh, it's somewhere where people can feel belonging and feel a place where they can let those uh, emotions and experiences out through music. So, I mean, I think it's like a really great way to go about making music, especially in this day and age when like you're, the, the rock star doesn't really exist in the same way that it maybe did even 20 years ago, you know? I also don't, I, I, I'm also, you know, you're working at the Rex, you're in Toronto. There, This collective approach to music making and, you know, community building through music is not unprecedented, right? Like, no. you think about broken social scene. And I, and, 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 and you also, th- I also think about kind of the, you know Toronto's backing band, like the, um, that world of like Bernice and and the Weather Station and Luca Kapowski and all the people who play on all those records, and yep. they just all kind of change around and everyone helps everybody out. Was were, are those examples the inspiration for this, or is it or like is that where you're coming from? Uh, yeah, you uh, you pretty much completely nailed it in terms of influences, like. Dev and I talked about Broken Social Scene all the time as just an influence. And then I'm so glad you mentioned Bernice and Luca and like Tom Gill. And now like um, been so obsessed with Dan Edmonds lately and Joseph Shabasin and like, and like, I think that's always what has inspired me about art. I've always been drawn to the, like a scene or like a collective, a community, like, you know, even in terms of literature, like I always loved like the beats where it was just like, this collection of people hanging out and supporting each other to make the art that maybe they wouldn't have felt confident making alone. Like they would have made it, but maybe they wouldn't have shared it. And like, I don't know, having a community to share with, having a community to create with, and it can be this kind of big collaborative party. And I think um, part of it too is especially during COVID, you know, I think a lot of people started releasing more and more music. And I think I mean, we're just seeing that in general, just with technology and like, it's so easy when you're by yourself feeling like you're just screaming into the void. Um, But if you can start, you know, with just Dev and I first and being like, at least I know you're listening and you know, I'm listening. And then from there, just building it outward. I think it just made it feel way more grounded and like tangible. And I see lots of other people doing the same and yeah, those those people you reference it are huge inspirations. When I think I think you know, given how people listen to music these days, like you you can anyone can put their stuff up on Spotify that they made alone in their bedroom, and it goes on Spotify, and it's like, okay, like that's not a going to make anybody able to have a career making music. Um, it's not going to. It's you know the odds of something just like exploding virally through that way is like very low, um, especially if you're making music that isn't you know trendy. Yeah. So so the actual like it's it's maybe crass or to but you you know you're a you're a businessman Mac you know <laughs> that like 
if you are going to put your stuff on Bandcamp and you know that all your friends are going to share it on their social media, whatever it is, they're going to come to the shows, they're going to buy the record or the tape or whatever, having that community to, to build something up, like that's so much, it's so much more, it maybe is like less modern, like mm-hmm. kind of punk rock or whatever, but it's more stable and it's more like, I don't know, you can trust in it more. Yeah, I think trust is a great word. And that's a big one for me as well. And like, I'm glad you referenced the punk scene too. like my friend. (laughs) I was having a conversation with one of my closest friends yesterday. And he's like, you know, he's been doing a lot more activist work and work in um, shelters and homeless communities and um, trying to take that same ethos of community and stuff there and also within the music he makes. And he's like, I, I thought I'm onto some new stuff. And then he, he's like, I realized I'm just living out old against me lyrics. That, like, I used to love, but, like, <laughs> that's where a lot of my roots were like inspired by that DIY, like punk scene and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, but the trust is, is absolutely everything. I think um, one uh, important mentor of mine is a bassist in Toronto, Pete Johnston. And he kind of did a similar collective with Mike Smith of like Muskox and all those. Uh, he plays in Sandro Perry's band and stuff, but um, they started all set. And he was saying to me, I was telling him about starting SHBP and stuff. And he's like, yeah, he's like, you know, the stakes are so low for what is possible if you're just trying to do it. And we're so often we're pitted against each other and trying to fight for attention. But he's like, you know, when you realize the stakes are low, it's like, why don't we just build new stakes, you know, build something together so that there's actually something to achieve at the end of it, you know? circle back um to your ep i'm kind of curious like as a guy i've I've played in rock bands my whole life and i understand kind of how the that comes together and those songs are constructed is is there like is there a certain amount of improv in those tracks on the ep or is it was it pretty much like arranged to 
to be how it was. Like, hmm. I'm always fascinated by that because like sometimes I listen to like there's like free jazz elements in this. There's like sections. Yeah. In the in the songs, uh, in, is it uh, "Hymn of Hmm"? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, there's like a kind of a, a free jazzy breakdown. Mm-hmm. How did how do you organize that? Like as a band <laughs> leader, how how did you organize all these people to create what you created? Yeah, um, I think a lot is arranged in terms of like moments and like I'm. I take a like when I describe it the music I describe a lot as impressionism because I paint with like, in terms of being an arranger, like I'm not a fine, what's the word? Fine point, like paintbrush or whatever. It's very broad strokes. It's like, here's a feeling, here's a vibe. And like this moment's going to happen. Like him's a great example where it's like, there's definitely markers and moments that I want to reach through the thing. And that's charted out. And like the horn, um, there's lots of horn arrangements but for the most part, the rest of it's like, here's some harmony, here's the melody, and then here's the feeling of each section or the energy. Like that one, that one specifically is like, I want to kind of capture like all the different shades of like my own mental illness or what that's been for me. So like, can I get a moment of mania? Can I get a moment of a panic attack? Can I get a moment of just like depression? Can I get a moment of, uh, yeah, I think I said mania, but uh so yeah, I I'm really inspired by like you know, it's cliche but Miles Davis, I thought he, when I'm thinking of arranging, a lot of it too goes back to just picking the right people for the band. Picking people that I think are going to like I'm going to put them in a room and they're going to intuitively create something together that's going to make sense and then giving them just enough information so that they know where they're going and they're confident where they are through a piece, but then the rest like yeah, I don't want to take too much credit for uh, what's actually ended up on the record because so much is just them taking those few little cues and then really embodying it in their own way. So, yeah, it's a balance. That's so that's so cool to me too because I feel like so much music that is made these days is like this is like the one person who does everything in the studio, and then they have a live band, and it's all very like controlled and like. Whereas what you're describing is like the complete opposite of that. You're like, I trust all these guys. They're going to do what they're going to do, but they can play with each other. And like, they know they have that chemistry yeah, and that ability to create something that like is surprising. And then you can still have that, like, you know, lyrical say over it with your trumpet and with your arranging. But I like that kind of loss of that, like letting go of control. There's something like, really beautiful and appealing about that yeah um that's so important to me is like well it goes back to what you're saying like trust and also like i don't i don't i'm just really not that good enough of a musician to have the audacity to tell like a drummer or a bass player or a piano player or whatever player to be like play this i think this is best it's like here's what i'm looking for you do that in whatever way makes sense to you Cause I know I brought you here because I believe in you as a musician and I believe that like you can do things I can't. And uh, yeah, I trust you is, is really the biggest thing. Can you um, give me any sneak peeks or hints of like what is next for sibling human buddy pal? Like obviously given the current 
restrictions on our lives and impending doom of virus everywhere. <laughs> it's hard to like make too many plans. Um, but do you have any plans? Is, I guess what I want to know. What are the plans? <laughs> yeah, we got plans. We got plans. Um, a lot of it's still unfolding, but uh, one thing you can look out for is May 22nd. There's going to be a new set of music. Um, maybe I'll leave it as cryptic as that, but uh, it's going to be centered more, a little more stripped down. Um, uh, it's going to be just Devin and John Malstrom and I, and then sprinkling in guests throughout, but we're just doing like a recorded uh, set of, I think a lot of it is going to be improvised, but more in like the ambient kind of uh, post-rock kind of space. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I think May 22nd is when that's going to come out and I'm sure there'll be more details on that. And then I'm working on a new EP, actually. I still have lots of recorded music, not lots, but a, a similar length EP's uh, worth of, of music coming out. And I'm really excited about that. Um, and then from there, we've had some other people reach out about wanting to to maybe release stuff. So there could be a cool uh jazz trio record piano jazz trio record coming but that's not confirmed yet but hoping for that um and then i'm also composing it this isn't shbp but i'm working with spectrum music for a concert in june um with uh the amazing pianist chris pruden and uh sarah thar incredible drummer um so i'm really excited for that that's outside of shbp but yeah we're still we're still uh things are unfolding but things are also like tangibly happening and, and coming yeah so yeah well, you guys are still you guys are still at like um you know phase one i feel like of of the plan and i feel like hopefully once we're a little more free to do all these things like i feel like live shows is probably like a huge part of what of that collective energy and spirit so i'm Definitely. excited to i'm i'm excited for when that is a reality yeah. um so I always end the show by asking for a recommendation of a local artist that you think everybody should, um, or Canadian artist that everyone should check out. Uh, you've given, I feel like we've kind of covered a ton <laughs> of them over this course, but uh, is there anyone that maybe we missed or, or is there a particular album that you've been listening to a lot um, that you would recommend? Hmm. I wrote so many down and I feel like I did cover a bunch. I'd be remiss if I didn't say eulogy, eulogy. And that's a little bit... Yeah selfish because i do play on that and, <laughs> but um I it's also really good though i was i was listening to it this morning and i i, I do feel like your ep and the eulogy eulogy ep are nice kind of one-two punch yeah they, they they work really nicely together because you can tell they get there's a vibe they don't they cover different genres but there's a vibe yeah that kind of runs throughout yeah um in the spirit of keeping it local is um guitarist alexi orishin i hope i didn't butcher his last name but his new record is just incredible and i can't stop listening to it um so i would definitely recommend that it's just everything that i would hope that i would like long to make in a like jazz record you know and some of my favorite players on it so definitely that i mentioned them already but i really love to say birds again just because i believe in that band so much i know rachel actually i heard rachel shouted them out as well but i think they they can't get enough praise um oliver their drummer they also produced where stems meet noise so 
And yeah, so they're an important one. And then maybe I would say, I'm sure so many people know them already, but Leith Ross made an amazing record called Mother Wealth. Um, also a Humber project, but they just, they made a full album because they're incredible and have an incredible band. Um, talked about the whole Hamilton, Dan Edmonds crew. Um, the other thing I would say is the new trial uh, Alex Maris album is so beautiful. It really is. And um, if anyone's made it this far in the episode, I believe next episode Alex is going to be oh. on the show. So very exciting. Yes. I love him so much. Such an, I miss actually physically being around him because he's just, his energy is so contagious. A, a truly, a truly lovely person. I've known <laughs> Alex. Um, he, he went to the same summer camp that I did. Like he was a count, he's older than me, but he's a counselor there. And like, I have, I think we're going to get into that on the episode, but like I have so many, I have like a very distinct musical memory of him performing at like a variety night. <laughs> and I just, I just, when I imagine Alex, I imagine him singing and expressing himself <sighs> all the time. And it's just like a, such beautiful energy that that guy has. Such a great example of like what I was talking about of like breaking down that wall and like reaching out to an audience and like yes. being like, you're a part of this. Come, welcome, I'm with you. Anyways, I could go on and on. It's very good. Um, well, there you go. Something to look forward to. Uh, lots of things to look forward to, which is something yeah. that we need things to look forward to. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh, Mac, the meeting of the Macs, I think, was a success here. And yeah. uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, congrats on the EP and everything else. And uh, I hope to be in your presence while you play the trumpet sometime soon. <laughs> Yeah, sweet. Thank you. Twenty or twenty is brought to you by Dominionated, Canada's best Canadian only music website, in my opinion. To discover your next favorite Canadian artist, follow us at Dominionated on all the social platforms. Visit the site dominionated.ca and please tell your friends to do the same. Our theme song and original music is by Taylor Barrow. You can follow him at a really slow runner on Instagram. No vowels in that other than the A. The show is produced by me, Mackenzie Cameron. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Mackenzie Cameron. No vowels in Cameron. Please like and subscribe and rate on whatever your preferred podcast platform is. You can email me mac at dominionated.ca with questions comments or concerns subscribe to our patreon page one dollar a month from you equals an exclusive mp3 from a different canadian artist each month plus other goodies yet to be revealed from us thank you for listening to this podcast thanks to mac for coming on the show next week as you may have heard trial alex maris will be on the program it's going to be nice until next week be well peace